understanding in some in some church cultures they uh, they have people that remain standing or they ask them to stand when the word of God is being read and uh, I think that's a good thing can you all stand if you're able to stand physically I think that that shows honor and respect to the word of God amen and we ought to always honor and respect God's holy word and never take it for granted Revelation chapter 5 Revelation chapter 5 and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it but one of the elders said to me do not weep behold the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose it's in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne now when he had taken the scroll the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of the saints and they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and in, on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever then the four living creatures fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much, singers and musicians. God bless you. Would you give them a, a clap of appreciation for their ministry unto the Lord? They come here early every Sunday morning to prepare. And then they lead us so wonderfully. And we appreciate them for that. Amen. The Lamb of God is worthy. In Revelation chapter 5 that we are in this morning, it is a picture of a scene that will take place in heaven one day. 24 elders around the throne. 
The Bible tells us of four living creatures, mighty angelic beings at the throne of Almighty God. The Bible tells us about a scroll that was in the hands of him who sat upon the throne. This scroll was sealed. Now, I want to just give you a little bit of a background because this is critically important to the message here this morning. Now, this scroll, some translations might even call it a book, but back in the day, 2,000 years ago in antiquity, they didn't have books. They had scrolls. And the scroll was, was written on and it was rolled up from both ends and it met in the middle and a seal was put on it if that scroll was an important document. It could have been a document for the transaction of a piece of property. It could have been the last will and testament of somebody. But this document that we see in this passage of scripture is a scroll that is sealed. And it has, that's that glob of wax that seals it and puts the uh, imprint of the person who is the only one that is able to open up that scroll. So in heaven, in this futuristic moment in time, there is a scroll, and this scroll really is the document of the, un, uh, of the revealing of the tribulation period or the future events that will take place after the church of Jesus Christ is raptured. Now, what is critically important about this document is that it reveals the future, and it also speaks of the authority of the one who will open that scroll, of their power and of their authority and of their control over the future. How many of you, uh, we live at a time when maybe we can get a little concerned about the future? The future can be very, very uncertain. And if we listen to uh, some different news outlets or different news feeds, there could be a lot of fear that could be ministered to us. And even to a point of hopelessness, like what hope is there? If the vaccine uh, is, is a percentage works to a certain degree, uh, are we going to need a booster shot? Um, are the vaccines making people sick? Um, uh, are there other strains that are going to come that the vaccine doesn't cover? Uh, I, I've heard, uh, I heard someone just recently say, what I'm really fearful about are the mutations or the different viruses that haven't even been invented yet. <laughs> Hello? That's, a, that, that's very hopeful. That's very encouraging. <laughs> Imagine. Um, and I'm not here to talk about uh, vax, vaxing or anti-vaxing or what your view is or where you stand. My point is that uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in our world. There's a lot of concern for the future. And this is, this is something that is about to take place at some point in the future. And, and if you follow Bible prophecy, we, we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus is coming back, but we can read the signs, and the signs seem to point to the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And so if you look at the passage of Scripture, the Bible says, I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll 
written inside and on the back. Now, if something was written on the back, that added more uh, weight to it and more of a sense of urgency to it that there was a lot to communicate. So this scroll had much written on the inside and on the back, and the Bible tells us it was sealed with seven seals. Now, why is this critical? Because it's highly significant because it was in the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. The right hand signifies authority and power. But now it's not just the right hand of an ordinary person. It's the right hand of Almighty God. So this document was, was critically, critically important because it involved the fate of the human race. All of heaven is watching this drama play out. All of heaven is looking at this scroll and the one who sat upon the throne holding it. All of heaven, attention is there. And then when one is found worthy, all of heaven breaks out in jubilation. So, so again, understanding that what is transpiring is critically important because it's coming from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. All of heaven is, is watching this. And then once someone is found worthy, all of heaven breaks out in praise and worship and jubilation and excitement because of the understanding of what is about to take place. The Bible says in verse 2, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. Now, this is a strong angel. Please get out of your mind those cute little chubby angels floating around on clouds playing a hop. Because this is not that. The Bible says, a strong angel proclaimed with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals. Who is worthy? Not just anyone could take that scroll because in taking the scroll, they had to be worthy, but they also had to have the power to execute what was in that scroll. Because this, this is, in a sense, it's a legal document. It's the unfolding of the history of the human race. It is the unfolding of, of the last days of planet Earth as we know it. So the angel cries out with a loud voice, who's worthy to take this scroll? In other words, it's not just for anyone. And look what the Bible tells us. The Bible says in verse 3, no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to take the scroll. No one was able to look into the future because this book was closed, this scroll was closed, and no one was found worthy. No one had the authority to take the scroll. And in and, and, and this scene in heaven, they're scouring the, the heavens, the earth, they're looking, is there anyone worthy? No Michael, the archangel, no Gabriel, the archangel, no Abraham, no Elijah, no Moses, no uh, Paul in the New Testament, no Daniel. No one was found worthy. Now John, from 
chapter 4, verse 1, we see he had been transported into heaven to see this vision. And, and chapters 4 and 5 kind of flow together. So, so John, look what it, look what it says in, in, in verse 4. So I wept much. In the original language, that weeping was not just a little quivering and some crocodile tears. It was a convulsing he began to, to weep uncontrollably, uncontrollably because no one was found worthy to open the, the scroll and to read and to look into it. So what's going on again? John understands the, the significance of this moment. He understands that that. History is unfolding, the future is unfolding, and there's no one found worthy. And for John, this is a struggle because he had walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He had followed, uh, personally walked with Jesus as a disciple, but then for 60 years, he had walked with the Lord. Anybody here walk with the Lord for 60 years? That's quite a long time. I'm working on 40. I was saved at six months old. It's just feign laughter, just, just fake it as best as you can. 60 years, so, so for John, he had put his hope in Christ. He had put his hope in Jesus. He had, he had understood that, that he, was, he was the one who was the Lord of heaven and earth, and he was the Savior of the earth, and so for him at this point, it was, a, it was like a, 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 a struggle, a crisis of faith, if you will, because if Jesus could not step forward and open the scroll. It was hopeless. The future was uncertain. There was no one really in charge. There was nobody really in control. And how many times have you and I felt like that in our lives? Right? We, we, we trust in God. We, we commit things into God's hands. We commit our finances. We commit our children. We commit our, uh, our work and, and, and our future into God's hands. And then it looks like this chaos. It looks like, God, are you really in control? Do you really know what I'm going through? Even another John in the New Testament, John the Baptist. John the Baptist was was a mighty prophet of God. He was the forerunner preparing the way for Jesus and he was the one who proclaimed, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He pointed a nation to Christ. He, in, 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 in a way, single-handedly brought a revival to the whole nation. But then he came to a crisis of faith. And the Bible tells us that John, when he was in prison for preaching the truth of God's word, he sends some of his disciples to Jesus to ask this question. Are you the one? Or should we look for another? That, that really boggles my mind. That really just sounds so confusing. Like, how can you proclaim Behold the Lamb of God, and then get to a point, are you the one? But you know what I have found in human experience, and I'm sure you have also, hey, you've reached the heights sometimes of, of, of spiritual understanding. You've reached the heights of, of, of anointing and blessing and, and God's provision, and you see things so clearly. But then you go through a valley in life. 
You go through a, a struggle. You go through a crisis of faith. There's one point you believe God can do anything. God can save anyone. And you begin to confess it and you begin to declare it. But then there comes a time when you look at the circumstances and everything you have believed for, it's like a miracle going in reverse. And you say, is God, is it you? God, are you really in control? Even Jesus on the cross at his lowest moment, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here we see John weeping because there's dead silence in heaven. It seems as though no one is worthy. And then look at, look at verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Do not weep. Behold, the, land, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. There is one found. One of the elders said, don't weep. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Because one has been found who's worthy who's worthy to take the scroll and to loose it, meaning execute what's written therein. There was no one else found worthy. Brothers and sisters, please get this understanding, get this revelation. There's no prophet, there's no uh, great man of God, great woman of God. There's no one found in all of earth and heaven and below and underneath that is worthy today. There is no one worthy but Jesus. But there are many religions. There are many belief systems. How can you say that that's too narrow? That's too exclusive? Because there's only one that was found worthy. And it wasn't Mohammed. It wasn't Buddha. It wasn't Confucius. It wasn't no one else. It was only Jesus. Do not weep. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed. He's prevailed to open the, the scrolls. Now what's interesting is John now turns to look at the one that was called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. That speaks of the majesty, the, the authority, the power of the, the status of Jesus. He's called the Lion, Simba. That's Swahili for Lion. I'm not talking Disney terminology here, the Lion King. The lion of the tribe of Judah. And what is John? He turns, and what does the Bible tell us? And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns, that speaks, horns in the Bible speak of strength and authority. Seven is the number of completion. He has all power. Seven eyes, eyes speak of insight and knowledge. He's all-knowing. And of the seven spirits, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in seven different ways that was sent out into the world. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So the elder says, don't weep, someone is worthy. Hallelujah. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the Messiah, 
our hero is coming to the rescue. Aslan is on the move. He looked, thought he would see the lion of the tribe of Judah. Instead, he saw a lamb, a sacrificial lamb who had died. The only one who was worthy to open the book or open the scroll. And you know what the Bible tells us? They sang a new song. They sang a new song, not about the lion, but about the lamb and his blood. Do you know that the music of heaven centers around the blood? Think about that. The blood that was slain, that shed for you and I to be saved this morning. The sacrificial lamb had to die. He would become the only one who was worthy to open up the book. Why is the blood so important? Because the Bible tells us that the life is in the blood. There's redemption. There's remission. There's sanctification. There's cleansing. There's peace. There's access through the blood. The lamb that was slain. The lamb of God that was slain. Jesus bears the marks of his sacrificial death in heaven. Think about that for a moment. When Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. There was doubting Thomas. And Thomas had said, I won't believe he's risen unless I'm able to put my, my fingers in. And Jesus shows up and says, go ahead, Thomas. Handle me. See, see I'm real. Look at my, look at my, my scars. Look at the, the places of, 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 the, of the spear and the nails. One preacher said this. Heaven is a perfect place and it's the perfect work of Almighty God, the Creator. Total perfection. But you know, there's only one work of man in heaven. And that's the mocks of the crucifixion we put on him. Do you believe in a perfect place? Jesus wears the scars as a badge of honor because he declared that you and I are worth it. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus on the cross. It was his love for you and I. And even today in heaven, when John saw him, it was as a lamb that was slain. The story is told of a woman in Africa. There was a fire in her tiny thatched home. The flames shot through the roof and the walls and the smoke filled the hut. The mother managed to escape, but then realized that her baby boy was still inside the house. Ignoring the flames and the thick smoke that billowed out of the doorway, she ran into the house to rescue her baby. Neighbors held their breath as seconds passed and the flames grew brighter. At last, the mother emerged from the burning hut with her baby close, held close to her body. The little one was safe, but the mother had been burned on her arms and her face. In time, most of her wounds healed, but her once beautiful face was forever scarred by the fire. As her son 
grew, he noticed that his mother's face didn't look like other mother's faces, but he did not ask why. Someone had told him the story of how his mother had saved him from the fire when he was a baby, but he did not realize that the scars on his mother's face had come because of her love for him. One day he was playing with his friends and someone asked, or someone made fun of his mother's face. The boys laughed, but he ran home so his friends would not see him crying. He hurried into his hut and he sat down and his mother came in and she could see that her usually happy boy was quiet. Is something wrong, my son, she asked. He thought for a moment, then asked, Mama, what happened to your face? Why do you ask? He said, the boys, one of them told another boy that he was ugly, like you, Mom. So what happened to your face? The mother was quiet for a moment. Then she stood up and walked to her drawer and pulled something out. She gave it to her son. It was a photograph of a beautiful young woman. He studied the picture and then he looked at his mom and he said, is that you? Yes, it was taken before the fire. He had known about the fire. He knew that his mother had pulled him from his bed and saved his life, but he, did, he had not thought about what her unselfish act had cost her. He stood and hugged his mother. Now he understood. His mother had risked everything for him. Without her unselfish act, he surely would have died in that fire. He looked into his mother's face. It was no longer scarred and wrinkled to him. It was beautiful. It was the face of love. He squeezed his mother tightly. To me, you are beautiful. Even more beautiful than your picture. When we look at Jesus, we see the scars that he bears because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of our unbelief. Do we have that kind of love? Do we turn our hearts to him? Do we passionately say thank you? Do we passionately embrace him? Do we passionately declare his wounds his scars were for us, but also for others. Do we understand the message of redemption? Do you understand that he is the Lamb of God, slain from the foundations of the world? Look what the Bible says. Then he came and he took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, these are angelic beings, great angelic beings, and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Think about this for a moment. There's a golden bowl, or golden bowls, plural, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Don't ever think for a moment that your prayers are wasted. Don't ever think for a moment that your prayers go unnoticed. Actually, heaven stores up your prayers. Your prayers mean much in eternity. Your prayers mean much in relation to future events on planet Earth. So here we have a scene where the angels take these golden bowls of incense and the prayers of the saints, and they sing a new song. And what do they say? You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood 
out of every tribe. Look around this church. Praise God. Out of every tribe, out of every tongue, out of every people, out of every nation. Thank God for Victory Church that we're a microcosm of what heaven looks like. Many people from different tribes, tongues, people, and nations. Hallelujah. And you have made us kings, a kingdom of priests unto our God, and we shall reign on the earth. There's coming a day, brothers and sisters, because the Lamb of God has prevailed and he has the authority to take the scroll and unleash the future events and the history of this world that you and I will reign with him on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000. Think about that this morning as we get that video clip ready. Do you know how much 10,000 times 10,000 is? Are there any mathematicians in the house? 100 million. Think about it. In heaven, 100 million angelic beings are praising and worshiping Jesus. Hallelujah. I want us to show a, a clip. This is from a crusade in Africa. One million people. The quality is not that great, but one million people. about a hundred million angels and it was singing or saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power riches and wisdom strength and honor glory and blessing and every living every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever then the four living creatures said amen and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever what a picture what a response in heaven. Heaven is, is a place of worship and praise. Some people said, in heaven, is all we're going to be doing is worshiping? But isn't it funny how man has reduced the glory of heaven to, oh, you know, you hear eulogies. Oh, yeah, Jack is up in heaven, and boy, he's enjoying a round of golf. Oh, that's, that's heaven. I didn't know golf was that fun. For all eternity, he's enjoying a round of golf. Or, oh, yeah, 
Sally's at the bingo in heaven, playing her favorite game, bingo. Are you serious? You see, many reduce the glories of heaven to earthly activities. But there's nothing more fascinating. There's nothing more exhilarating. There's nothing more fulfilling than when we see God face to face. If a hundred million angels are worshiping and calling out to God, these are perfect beings. They understand and they sense and they feel and they experience the glory of Almighty God. I just want to read this in conclusion. This is something in one of the commentaries that I've been reading on the book of Revelation. The death of awe in our culture. Now this was written 2012. So it's eight, nine years ago. So it's little removed from today. The death of, our, of awe in our culture has left us with an oddly credulous cynicism. We are cynical, suspicious of established government, education, technology, and medicine. Yet our cynicism is the recycled remnant of dashed hopes and broken faith precisely because having lost sight of the God who is worthy we have invested such trust in these institutions to save our civilization and us. John's churches lived in a setting where the worship of human power, personified in Rome's emperors who were extolled, extolled as lords and saviors, had reached blatant expression as one city after another vied for the privilege of becoming a temple warden maintaining a sanctuary in which the emperor was adored. John will see this pressure to worship human power emerging from the sea as a beast in Revelation 13 and as a second beast uh, arising from the land to make the earth and those who dwell in it worship the first beast. But the false prophet's miracles like the emerald fireworks and the thunderous voice of the Wizard of Oz are counterfeit. Government, education, technology, and medicine have roles to play in our society, but none can bear the weight of glory. None are worthy of worship. No human institution or individual has created all things or reconciled rebels, making them God's priests and kings. Therefore, none is worthy of the adoration that belongs to the enthroned one and to the Lamb. John would not mislead us into dismissing the threats in this world as illusionary, but he points us to a reality more deeply real, the eternal role of God. Admit his awesome, adoring courtiers in heaven and the authority of the Lamb to carry out on earth a divine plan for the rescue and restoration of creation to its chief end, the glorification and enjoyment of God. Would you stand together with me? This morning. You see, what has taken place in this passage of Scripture, yet futuristic, is God Almighty beginning to reconcile all of mankind, all of the earth, all of the universe back into right relationship with Him. And when you and I 
put our trust and our faith in him, what we are saying, Lord, you are the only one that's worthy. But when we begin to trust in other people or other things, we begin to break that down and we begin to short circuit God's plan and purpose for our lives. But this morning, with hands lifted, would you declare, Lord, you are worthy. Just take a few moments. Just declare that there is none worthy. You redeemed us by your blood. Come on, worship him for just a couple of moments. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. You received the power, the glory, the riches, the strength, the honor. We worship you. Blessed is the Lamb of God. Lord, we worship you in this place. We honor you, God. We love you. We, we adore you. We declare that you are the Lord of glory. You're the Lord of history. You're the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, your praise and your worship and your declaration is also a, a, a commitment of your faith that you are trusting God with the future of the world, but also the future of your world personally. Come on, this morning, only Jesus is able to direct you. Only Jesus could, could unloose the seal and open up the scroll of your life, of your book, of your story. Hallelujah. Come on, trust him today. You don't have to try to make connections and pull strings and work deals, but God will make a way for you. God will bless you. God will prosper you as you honor him, you put him first, you worship him, you trust him. Come on, trust him with your future, your career, your finances, your children, your ministry. Come on, let's trust him. Let's entrust it into his hands. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. We bless you, God. We honor you, Lord. We glorify you today, God. You bear the mocks. You bear the scars of our redemption in heaven. You're not ashamed to be called our Savior, our brother, our elder brother. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we praise you. We worship you. Come on, somebody, get a breakthrough right now. Right now, get a revelation. Come on, right now, things are breaking off of you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A hundred million angels worshiping. Oh, if we can join that choir, if we can join them and say, worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, Father, I just pray that in this place called Victory Church, that there would be such a spirit of praise and worship and honor to Jesus that we would exalt him and glorify him and him only. Oh, God, that no flesh would glory in his presence, that people would enter these gates with thanksgiving, with praise, with worship. God, bring us back to that day when we first met you, God. Bring us back to that day when we would worship you with reckless abandon, without any concern of anything else. Father God, release it in this place. I pray a spirit of worship and praise because God, you are enthroned. You are enthroned in the presence and the praises of your people. Lord, I just commit everyone into your hands today. God, order their steps, direct their lives 
in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Receive the word of God. Amen.